This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. With this last tragedy in Florida, it opens up a big, big discussion for some serious halachic issues that uh, sadly have happened before in Jewish history that there's much literature on to discuss how do we deal with mainly Avelus, when does Avelus begin if they have not yet found the body? And the bigger issue is, how can we permit Agunas? What do you do with the situation if there were men in the building that their body was never found? Are their wives allowed to remarry? And vice versa as well. We'll talk a little bit this evening also that it does go both ways. Obviously, to permit an Aguna to get remarried is more complicated than to permit a man to get remarried because, technically speaking, a man can have more than one wife. But as we'll see, the Cheyum de Beno Gershim, which has been in place for many, for many years, that we don't take two wives, would also prevent a man from remarrying unless we have good information that his wife passed away. Now, this issue of not knowing what to do with a, in a situation where there is a tragedy, where there is no body, this sadly took place in 9-11. This was the big, big tumult in 9-11. With, when the buildings went down, there were bodies that were not accounted for, and we couldn't find them. And the question was, A, when do they start sitting Shiva, the family? And B, can they be mata the Agunas? Now, believe it or not, the Besden of America at that time permitted 10 Agunas to get remarried. 10. It's unbelievable. The Masham writes in the Tshuva, that if you could permit one Aguna to get married, it's Kilu Kharva, as if you rebuilt uh, Yerushalayim. Amazing thing. It's not a small thing to be able to be Matar and Aguna. So they were Matar 10 Agunas in 9-11. Now the sad thing is that... Two, what? I don't know how many of the world together. I just know they were Matar 10. 15 overall. 15 overall? I thought it was. Oh wow, okay, there you go. Um, it's just sad to note that the two, one of the two, two of the great Rabbonim in Eretz Yisrael, that many of the Psakim to Imatu were based on, was Rabzalm Nehemiah Goldberg, who was the son of Rabbi Shlomazam, who's no longer with us, and Rabbi Yosef. They were the two major Paiskim in Eretz Yisrael that the Rabbonim here in America referred to, conferred to, spoke to, and they are sadly no longer with us, but they left us their literature. They left us their letters and their psalms, so we can perhaps use that today as well. So the first, again, the other time in history where there was a major Aguna issue was after the Holocaust. After the Holocaust was a major, major Aguna issue. All the Rabbanim post-Holocaust dealt with it. Rav Moshe Feinstein has many tshuvas. We'll talk about one of his tshuvas. The Klosenberger Rebbe dealt with it. All the big Rabbanim and the big Dailim here in America after the war were dealing with Aguna Shilas. So here we have perhaps Shilas over here that what took place in this building because sadly we hope we should daven that they should find more bodies but uh, it's a very slow process. And if we do not find the bodies, what is the family supposed to do? So the first issue is when does Avelis begin? When does Avelis begin? So the Shulchan Aruch writes in Yerodeus and Mishinah and Hesav Zayin, the Avelis begins when the family gives up hope on finding a body. When the family says, that's it, you know, we're not going to go forever like this. We have to be honest with ourselves. And this happened in 9-11 also. They just give up. They say, it's not going to happen. We're never going to get that closure. So the Shulchan Aruch says, when the, when the family is miyayish, from giving up hope and ever finding a body, that's when they start shiva. That's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. Now, what is interesting is uh, what happens if the family decides, you know, we're giving up hope now. It's already a week later. We're giving up hope. We want to start shiva now. And then three months later, they find the body. So this actually happened. The Taz quotes a story like this, where there was a body that was, uh, was murdered by the guy. He was dumped in a river at Shvat time, Shvat time of the year, and they never found him. And uh, they didn't know where he was, so the family decided to sit Shiva. Other time, they found the body. 
So Shabbos, you have to take another shiva. Do you have to sit another shiva? So the Taz says, no, you just have to do Kriya. You just have to rip your, your garment. You don't have to do a whole other round of shiva. Uh, the Shulchan Aruch writes that the sons have to keep shiva, not shiva, but one day of Avelis if they're there when the body is found. And the Shach goes to town and says, well, only the sons? What about the rest of the family? So the Shach says, yeah, what the Shulchan Aruch means is all the people. Meaning, if they decided to sit shiva, let's say today, and three months later they find the body, so then all those that are present at the time when the body is found would have to keep one day of Avelos and do Kriya. That's what the Shulchan Aruch paskets. Now, so that's very negative today. So all those families that are very optimistic, they're going to keep hope open for a long time, they're not going to start to sit shiva yet. Or the other case is if they find Roshay Viruba, if they find the majority of the body, then that might also be enough to, to start to sit Shiva. But there is one catch. There's a Shach over there in Yerudea. The Shach says, but what happens if the family gives up hope? But it's not one of those situations where the woman would be allowed to get married. Let's say, for example, there's a husband who dies, and the family says, we're never finding the body, let's start Shiva now. But there's not enough halakhic information to allow the woman to get remarried, which we'll talk more about in a few minutes. So then the shach says you can't keep shiva. Because if you're going to keep shiva, that gives off the impression that she's mutter because her husband's dead. And she's allowed to get remarried. And she's going to remarry and that's not so. There's not enough information that allows her to get remarried. So there's machloikis achroin in between peschit shuva, kotsi shayla. What happens if it would be a single guy? There's no issues of his wife. Would he also be allowed to sit shiva? Would the family be allowed to sit shiva the moment they give up hope? Or only if it's a man that has a wife and therefore presents a gunish islands. So I'm not sure. So I'm not sure. I, then you might have to work with Gaidel Habayis, the one who's in charge. I'm not sure what happens in that case when it's a split family. Um, so Lamaisa, said, we paskin, the Shvaziyanka paskins, that if it's only a husband with a wife, if it would be a single man and the family gives up hope, you could start sitting Shiva immediately. Now it's interesting, in 9-11, the Rabbanim of the Bez of America had a complicated child. They had a woman who was pregnant at the time when her husband was in the building, and she had a, she had a miscarriage before this pregnancy, and she needed closure to be able to start sitting Avelis. And the doctors, or she was afraid that if she doesn't get this closure, she might perhaps have a miscarriage, and uh, she won't be able to have children. This was her husband. So the Rabbanim of the Bez of America said she can start sitting Shiva now, even though at this point in time, there was not enough information that allowed her to get remarried because there's a tshuva from the Chasam Soifer and the Chacham Tzvi and the Chayodam that say, as long as Bezdin's starting the process, they started the ball rolling to figure out, can she get remarried? Everyone knows that she's in the middle of figuring out if she's allowed to get remarried. So Bishasat Chak, they were makele to allow her to start sitting the shiva, even though she was not yet allowed to remarry. That was a true story that happened during 9-11. And Baruch Hashem, she ended up having a healthy child from her deceased husband. Now, there's a Mishnah on the end of Yuvamis. That's very important. Oh, before that, what about saying Kaddish? Can the kids say Kaddish for their father even though they're not keeping Shiva yet? So the Pesachet Shuvah says yes. Because Kaddish is not necessarily such a raya that the person is dead. People say Kaddish for other people. So the Geshachai and Paskins that even though they have not yet started the Shiva, they would be allowed to say Kaddish. They would be allowed to do things privately, but nothing publicly because we don't want to give off the impression that the person is actually dead because then she would get remarried and we would have a problem. No, 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 I don't think so. I think we're not sure when he would start for the 11 months in that case. Not sure. Now, here's where it gets interesting. What would happen, what would happen in the reverse case? Let's say it's a, uh, a, ma- a woman goes missing and the husband wants to get remarried. So then the Paiskim are much more makele. 
if a woman goes missing and we presume that we assume that she's probably dead, so even though there's not enough information to allow the husband to get remarried yet, but we would allow him to start sitting shiva. So let's say, for example, in this case in Florida, let's say there would be a woman that was in the apartment, the husband was out of the apartment, and Alpi Roiv, people that were in certain apartments probably died, but that would not be enough information yet to allow him to get remarried, but he would be allowed to start sitting shiva as long as he gives up hope from ever finding the body. Now it's interesting, the Gemara tells us we're makel because of iguna. We bend over backwards as much as we can to permit an iguna because we want her to be able to be free. And that's what the Gemara says, we allow testimony from an Eid If one witness says, I saw the husband die, that's good enough, even though normally you would require two witnesses. Yet, we'll see that when it comes to iguna, we're still machmeh. Why? There's a machloikis tanoim in the end of Yavamis, in a body of water, if a man disappears in a body of water. And this was very relevant. We had an entire share here two years ago, when we, we had the story of two summers ago, um, Rabbi Baum Zatzal, who, who went with his Talmidim, they went into... Baumin, sorry. They went on a trip and he got caught up in the water and he was missing for a few days. Baruch Hashem, they ultimately found his body. But when his body was missing, so at that time we discussed here in the shul, we discussed what would happen with his wife's status. So there it's a little bit more complicated because there's a mission in Yavamis. Mission in Yavamis has machoikas tanoim. That, that, that's, that's what I'm getting to. So there's machoikas in Yavamis at the end of uh, in Daf Kufchov, Kufchofalov. The machoikas tanoim is what happens if there's a body of water that has no end to it. What's called Maim She'elam Saif. So there's a machoikas tanoim, if a man disappears in a maim she'en lam saif, let's say the Atlantic Ocean. There's no end to the Atlantic Ocean. Meaning, Rashi says, the Gemara says, maim she'en lam saif means you can't see the end of it. So the Gemara says, maim she'en lam saif is a machoikas tanoim, whether or not the husband, the wife is allowed to remarry. Again, we saw the husband fall into the, into the ocean. We're not denying that. But Rashi says, the chashash is maybe he came out the other side and he's really alive. That's maim she'en lam saif. So maim she'esh lam saif, everyone holds, it's mut. If a husband disappears in a Mayim Shem's life, he disappears in the swimming pool. Right? He falls into the swimming pool. There's no, everyone's watching around the swimming pool. Where's his body? We don't know, but he was in the swimming pool. There's no, there's no you know, trap doors. So then everyone agrees the, the wife's allowed to get remarried. Mayim Shem's life is a machoikis tanoim, and we paskin, it's us. In a Mayim Shem's soif, if a husband disappears in a body of water that has no end to it, then the halachi is the husband is not allowed, the wife is not allowed to get remarried until we have some more concrete information. The mere fact that he must have died because who lives in the Atlantic Ocean is not good enough because Rashi explains we're choshish that maybe the husband slipped out. This is his opportunity to get away from his wife, to get away from his children, to get away from his job, start anew. And we're choshish he slipped somehow, he survived underwater, he traveled, and now he's on the other side living a, a happy life and he's really alive. And that's the way all the Rishayin and Paschal, Allah Chalamaisa, that's the, the din. So now, this was the Shiloh when we had the Shiloh two years ago. But this Shiloh is already in earlier literature. If you look in earlier literature, they have these Shilohs in the Israeli army. Very often you have, uh, they were doing different uh, things in the air with uh, helicopters or airplanes, and they were shot down, and they fell into an ocean. So the Shiloh is, what are the wives of the soldiers? Are they permitted, and they never found the body? Are they permitted or they're not permitted? So that's a Shiloh when it comes to water. The question is, what do we consider? First of all, the Shiloh came up with 9-11. What was the Twin Towers considered? Was that considered a Maim Shiesh Lahem Saif? Because where exactly would you go? If you were hit, if, you, if the building hit at a certain floor, there was no way out. It, it just, it's impossible. Or do you say, no, that's also Maim Shiesh Lahem Saif. Maybe somehow you'd fly this, that, and the other. So that was a big discussion. 
whether or not you consider the World Trade Center Mayim Sheyesh Lehem Soif or Mayim Sheyin Now, I think what they ended up doing, at least the President of America was, is that at certain floors, they considered it Mayim Sheyesh Lehem Soif. If you were at a certain floor, based on where the plane hit and where the fire started, they said if you were on the 90-something floor, that, that's it. There's no way to survive, and therefore their wives were mut. But if you are in a different part of the building, that was very Mayim Sheyin Lehem Soif. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein talks about it in the Tshuva, in Igus Moshe, in Evan Ezechelik Aleph. He talks about uh, with the, the common story after the Holocaust was they saw the husband in one of the camps and no one saw him after the war. So what's, that, what's the concentration camp considered? So it's not water, but is it like Maim Shiesh Lam Saif? Not everyone died in the camps. People did get out. Right? We, know, we know of survivors from every one of the major camps that were survivors. So that's always the question of how to consider it. So same thing, what do we do with this building? This building collapsed. Is that like a Mayim Shiesh Lam Saif and you have to assume anyone that was in the building is dead, finished. Nothing to talk about. There's no trap doors, there's no way of getting out. Or no, people can survive in the rubble, people could have been in this, who... The, it's hard to know. You have to know a little bit of the mitzvahs to know is it possible, depending on which apartment they were in or which, which part of the building, is it possible that there was a way out to which makes it mayim she'en lahem soif. If it's mayim she'en lahem soif, we have a problem on our hands. Until we find the body, we're not going to be able to permit these women Why to remarry. Why do you see them come out. No, no, no. They're very, they're, they're tricky. They don't want you to see them. They went on the radar. You didn't see them. That's the whole idea. Same thing on the lake. You could see the other side of the lake. The same thing. There. No, there you can't. There are people standing around the lake. They'll catch you. They'll see. No, that's okay, that's part of our question. I'm asking you: Was it possible to sneak out of the rubble? And no, no, I have no idea. That's what you have to be mavaya. So the question is: I don't see how that's connected to Eidenheim and so the That's the idea. The idea is: Is there a viable way out without being noticed? That's the difference between Mayim Sheyesh Lam Soif and Mayim Sheyesh Lam Soif. Same as by any lake that you can see the other side. No, if everyone, if it's in controlled area, we don't think you're going to be able to. The truth is, we didn't get. We're not going to get to it tonight. Rizobushin has a shadow. What happens if you have? I don't know how this is possible. If you have a Mayim Sheyesh Lam Soif with cameras all alongside of it, what would happen then? So it's Mayim Sheyel, I'm sorry, but, but it's, but it's, it's a, I don't know how you have such a mitzvah. I'm not aware of... I don't of, understand this, but it's possible. Yeah. First of all, why is it binding uh, the Svardim took it? Yeah, that's a different question. Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe not. I thought it expired already. No, nah, it didn't expire. We spoke about this once before. We did a share of this. Yeah, no, it didn't expire. It didn't expire. It rolls over. It rolls over. Oh, that's what I was going to get to right now. Very good. So now, let's, we're not going to get to all this tonight. Maybe we'll have to talk about it at a different time. Um, one of the, so, so how are they going to def- how are they going to find the bodies now? The likelihood of finding an intact body now is very slim. Even though they just found the other day, they did find. I think almost the whole... Okay, so the question is, if they're not going to find the whole body, what are they going to use? So if they're very lucky, they'll use dental records. Dental records is the best. Dental records is the best way because it's edus bifanenu. It's something substantial in our hands. We have the... the, the, the oh, not so simple. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Dental records was very good. Dental records is the best because dental records is something that you can see with your own eyes. The shape of the teeth and his shape of the teeth, they're not the same. What about DNA? So when, in 9-11, when they first started looking into DNA, they sent the Shailat Eretz Yisrael. So they sent, at that time, Shmuel Vazna was alive. Uh, Rebel Yashiv was still alive. And both of them were not 100% keen on DNA. They were not 100% keen. They were not a big... They did not consider DNA what we call a simon muvak. Shulchan Aruch writes, if you have a simon muvak, right, you know that this is a guy, the guy that you, you know, uh, cut across his leg, whatever it was. You know, that's a simon muvak, whatever simon muvak is. But they did not consider DNA a simamovic. And the question was why. Now, the truth is, DNA has improved a lot 
since 2001. That's A. And B, the svar that they said is because DNA is not nikkele Meaning, I need to see something that I can match up. Dental record, I can see the teeth. I see his teeth, good. Here, it's, it's, it's you know, uh, scientific, deep beneath the skin type of thing. Even though, again, statistically, DNA is very good. The numbers are unbelievable for the DNA. So they tied it today. They, would, they, did, they used DNA in 9-11 with other things as well. The Beds of America decided we'll use DNA if we have other factors as well. Just DNA we're not going to use because the G'dayim and Israel were against it. They say that one of the big advocates for DNA was Rabbi Sanderovic. Our own, our own Rabbi Sanderovic's brother in Milwaukee, he was a big proponent for the DNA because he thought that the DNA is a good haichacha because they were using two types of DNA. They were using what's called personal DNA and familiar DNA. One type of DNA is that it matches someone in your family. Then there's one DNA that's called personal DNA. They match DNA from his shaver to what they found in 9-11. And that's a very stark, you know. That's very hard to duplicate. So today, they're much more comfortable using DNA. But again, out of respect for the G'dayim Meneret Yisrael, who they sent the Shaila to initially, they were only used DNA with other factors as well. So that's one thing you want to use. You want to use, you want to use DNA. Now just, we're not going to get to everything, but it's, it's worth noting the Noi Dibihud. The Noi Dibihud writes in the Tshuva that before he talks about being Mata Raguna, he always asks, was there Shalom by his problems? Why? Because I told you earlier that one of the reasons why Chayshish, the Gemara says, Rive people die in a Mayim Shein Lahem Saif. But since there is a Mir that can sneak out and no one knows, so we're Chayshish. Says the Night of Yehuda, if you ask the couple and you find that there was no rift between them and everything was good and there's no motivation for him to want to start a new life, not then we're Matrit, but then we'll start searching for Kulas. And they did that in 9-11 also. It's, it's an uncomfortable question to ask. Like, by the way, your husband just died. Oh, did you guys have a fight like, you know, right before he left? But they wanted to establish that there was no katata, there's no fight between the spouses. There's no reason why the husband would want to start a new life. And therefore, then they can start the discussion of finding a terror. I want to add a knech, maybe I'm wrong, that with this story here in Florida, there's even a bigger reason for the husband to come back. Why? Lawsuit. There's big bucks there. There's a, the husband doesn't want to disappear. He loses out on all the money. He wants to sue. He wants to sue everyone and their cousin. He wants to sue. So I think over here, in this case, again, 9-11, you might have that also. I don't know. I just don't know how that you know, it was more complicated. I, I'm making this up. There could be over here, there's a motivation for the husband to be alive. Why? Because he comes back. He's going to collect cash and big bucks. Now, maybe his wife will get the money. Send it to him. I, I don't know all the, whatever the arrangement they had. There, there were stories of people who faked their deaths to get away from their life and to get insurance money. There were such stories like that in history. But... Um, there was one mice in 9-11, not with a Jew, with a guy, who they assumed he was dead because uh, his office was one of the places that the building that were hit by the planes. What ended up happening was he came alive because he never told his wife he got fired. He was embarrassed to tell his wife he got fired. So every day he'd go to work. He never went to work because he didn't have a job. He got fired. So he used to go. I sit in the park, whatever he would do. So right away, everyone assumed, oh, he died because he worked on whatever floor. It was a guy. He wasn't a gay to us. But just to bring out the point is that just because they go to work in the, in the building, that was not necessarily always the, an ironclad ride that they were there. Now here, it's even more complicated. Well, it's, it's less than more because when the building collapsed, it was the middle of the night. So if a guy had an apartment in, in Surfside and he was there for this time, he was probably in his bed. It's likely that he was there because it wasn't like it was 2, two o'clock in the afternoon. You could be anywhere. The guy could be at lunch, and his building comes down. But the timing of this building collapse is actually a little bit helpful. If you know the guy was there for this time of the year, the guy, everyone knows he was in, you know, he went there. Uh, they have a young couple that's missing. A young couple that went to be by her father. Right? Everyone knows they went to Surfside, they went to be in this building. At 1.40 in the morning, when the building's collapsed, that's probably where they were. If it would have been 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 
we'd have a much bigger problem on our hands. How do we know they were at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Maybe they were outside in the, you know, going traveling, going shopping. So here it's a little easier. But you have to be able to establish where they were. So now you're going to say, okay, so they were in the building. And most people in that building are not going to survive. And they had, uh, and he had no shalom bias issues. So then already you can be making, and there's one more sniffle huckle. Again, there's much more to talk about, is Rav Moshe's cooler. Rav Moshe has a very important cooler. Rav Moshe says that the only time we're choshish for a husband trying to play a shtick like that is if it's one person. If it's a group of Jews, you don't have to be choshish that everyone in this group decided we all want our way from our wives. Right? Everyone decided, we're all in a group. All the people who worked in 9-11 had problems with their families, and they all were looking for excuses. So that's what Moshe said. It's very strange. When you deal with it one case, like when we had two years ago, with that Rebbe, that was a one-case scenario. Ramosh says, one case, you have to suspect there might be Shalom Bayes, he's looking for a way out. But if you have a whole group, says Ramosh, and that's what Ramosh used as a sniffle huckle after the Holocaust, for Yidin that were in the camp. So Lechari, you can use Ramosh here also. If there's a whole group of people in the building, you don't have to suspect that the, every man who lived in that building was, getting, was looking for a second chance at life. So therefore, you could perhaps, again... I, I'm definitely not the person to be Matar Agunas. The Archashokhan writes to be Matar Agunas, you need a bezin of a mumchim, and you always have to have three. If you look at all the tshuvas that were written about Agunas, they always say, I'm willing to sign off if two other people sign off. It's a very, very serious matter, and they're not even up to there yet. Mitzvah Shem, hopefully they shouldn't have to deal with so much of it, but these are some of the major issues that the Rabbanim are going to have to deal with of the Agunas from this last uh, casualty in Klai